kind of jump off from Revelation 2, a, a familiar passage for all of us, but I, I, think, uh, I think we'll be challenged by this. Uh, Revelation 2, starting at verse 1, to the angel, divine messenger of the church in Ephesus, write, these are the words of the one who holds firmly the seven stars, which are the angels or messengers of the seven churches in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, the seven churches. I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives of Christ, and in fact are not and have found them to be liars and imposters. And I know that you who believe are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, and that you have not grown weary of being faithful to the truth. But I have this charge against you, that you have left your first love. You have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior, seek God's will, and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand, the church, its impact from its place, unless you repent. And Father, we are thankful for the challenging truth of your word. And Lord, as we think about it, Lord, you as you ministered to the Ephesian church and by extension you're ministering to us, Lord, it's because you love us and you will tell us the truth. Father, we do thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Um, you know, I know that probably all of us, probably when we're kids or we were first exposed to the book of Revelation, it's kind of scary but, you know, looking through it, uh, a big part of it is the Lord warning his people, warning us to, to pay attention. And, and we see this here in this passage as well. Um, verse 2, I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives of Christ. So the Lord commends uh, the Ephesian church. We see that um, it was a church that was patient, a church that had endurance. They were doctrinally sound. Um, they were able to sniff out heresy. Uh, people who would um, proclaim themselves to be apostles and were not, they were able to see that clearly. Um, verse 3, and I know um, you who believe are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake. Being in Ephesus and you know, Ephesus was the home of the, um, the temple of, to the goddess Diana. So it was a very corrupt um, area. 
much like some of the areas we live in now, um, you know, sexual sin was a part of the worship of Diana. So it was, it was a rough place to live, and you know, these people were standing firm against that, and that is to be commended. Um, let's see. But I have this charge against you, that you have left your first love. You have lost the depth of love that you, ha you first had for me. So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner, your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. You know, reading this leads me to believe that perhaps quite a few of the members of this Ephesian church were not aware that they had lost their first love. Um, again, they were standing firm in so many areas. And it, it also makes me wonder what, you know, what did it look like for them to lose their first love? This is an area that the Lord addressed a lot, you know, in the New Testament about, you know, we as believers can do church work, but our hearts may not be involved in that. And that's something we always, we always have to take account of. Where is my heart? Uh, what is most important to me? There are so many things that can distract us in our Christian life. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about these a lot, you know. Um, and we see examples of this in Scripture. In fact, uh, let's skip down, Joe, to Luke 10. Luke 10, 38. Now, while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Martha had a lot of nerve. <laughs> Not only was she distracted and focused on her serving, but she's telling the Lord what to do. You, you need to go talk to her. Tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious. That's a trifecta. She's worried, bothered, and anxious about so many things. How many of us have been worried, bothered, and anxious I see a show of hands. I, I'm one of them, yeah. And, and that's the idea. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. 
her focus was on the Lord, the relationship. And I, I always like to draw the parallel to marriage. Uh, we have a number of married people in here. I think Martha and Carlos take the prize. 52, you guys are coming up on? 51, okay, 51 years. That's a long time. You all have grown up together. And you've, you've seen your relationship has grown. You two have seen each other grow. Um, the relationship. Emotional intimacy. Verse 41, but the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. So does that mean that we discard everything else that we have to do? No, of course not. But what is my priority? Um, you're going back to the Ephesian church, Again, it, it doesn't tell us clearly in that passage, but if I may draw some conjecture, it sounds like their focus on maintaining doctrinal purity, which is a good thing, um, sniffing out heresy, which is a good thing, took precedence over their love for the Lord. And again, I don't think they knew that. I don't think they knew that. I think it, it just happened, and especially in, in the midst of that corrupt culture where they're, they're fighting, they're standing against, you know, sexual immorality. Um, again, that, that's um, a reminder for us. We live in a similar, a similar culture. It's anything goes in our culture. Um, not to mention certain cities in our country, you know, San Francisco, Las Vegas, West Hollywood, anything goes. LA, LA, <laughs> anything goes. And, and yes, we are to stand for truth, but we are to stand for truth in love. And that, that can be the challenging balance for us. Um, you know, I've, I've been challenged on those things myself. How do you deal with people, you know, who are living lives that, that don't honor God? <clears throat> well, we have a great example in Jesus. Um, he dealt with people in truth, with love, with patience. So, going back to uh, Revelation 2, uh, Jesus kind of did the, um, you could say the, um, he did a sandwich with them. He, he commended them, he warned them, and then he commended them again. Uh, verse 6, yet you have this to your credit, that you hate, oh, I missed, 
Verse 5, so remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Jesus is pretty clear here. There, um, let's see, let me make sure I say it clearly. Losing their love for Christ was sinful. And that's, that's a reminder to us. Um, where is Jesus on my priority list? What is the most important thing in my life? And, and again, we can all ask ourselves that. Five, so remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand, the church, its impact from its place, unless you repent. Yet you have this to your credit that you hate the works and corrupt teachings of the Nicolaitans that mislead and delude the people, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant the privilege to eat the fruit from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So, again, sobering yet loving words to the Ephesian church and to us. So, Matthew 22. So, again, you know, as I said, Jesus, this was a theme that he visited often um, during his time here on earth. So, Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. Now, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, muzzled the Sadducees, they gathered together. One of them, a lawyer, an expert in Mosaic law, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is unselfishly. Seek the best or higher good for others. The whole law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commandments. I believe that loving our neighbor as ourselves is probably one of the most challenging things in our Christian walk. Because we, we all love ourselves, right? You know, we, every one of us, we, we get up in the morning, we, whatever routine we go through, you know, we, we brush our teeth, we, you know, we eat, we bathe, you know, put lotion on, Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> oh, well, we're not including teenagers in this. <laughs> but we, t we take care of ourselves, right? I, I always use this example. When we take a group picture, right? 
and let me let me go back to about 30 years when you know you had to send the picture off to get it developed and you wait the two weeks to get it back when you get the picture and you look at it who is the first person you look at look at yourself and here it is everyone else can look horrible in the picture but if I look good it's a good picture Conversely, everyone can look great in the picture, but if I look bad, it's not a good picture. We, we need to do this again. And now with, you know, with digital technology, it's easy to, you know, switch and change. It's, you know, you know, well, you know, you do the selfie, group selfie. Let me look at the picture. We have to do that again. <laughs> I don't look good in that picture. We have to do it again. We love ourselves, and we want to look good. Um, back to the Ephesian church, again, I, I don't think they were aware that they had left the Lord. Well, the Lord wasn't their, their first love. I don't think they were aware of that. Jesus had to come and say, hey, hello, you've left, you've left your first love. So here we see in Matthew 22, one of the many times that the scribes and Pharisees wanted to test Jesus. It seems like after like the second or third time when Jesus shut them down, they would have said, you know, this probably is going to work in my favor. So I might not want to ask. I mean, look what it says. One of them, a lawyer, an expert in the Mosaic law, asked Jesus a question to test him. He wasn't asking Jesus a question to get an answer. He was asking Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I think we can also look at that Luke 10 passage, Martha and Mary loving God with all my heart, soul, mind. And in another passage, it says strength. Tied in with that is spending time at his feet. I will submit to you that spending time with the Lord should be the priority of our lives. Um, and then that ties back into distractions. Um, most people, working people, by the way, I'm officially retired. <laughs> it's like a weight has been lifted from my shoulders. 31 years. And another thing. And another thing. I'm amazed at how quickly that 31 years went. It's, I'm still, I found out Friday and now I'm still 31 years? Wow. It, it went by pretty quickly. I, Martha, I think you would say 51 years have gone by pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Okay, I just lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? <laughs> I was talking about myself, right? <laughs> 
Um, we love ourselves, yes. Oh, here it is. Mary spent time at the feet of Jesus. And that is a priority for us. Because if, if we're not spending time at the feet of Jesus, if something else is a priority for us, then I think we're, you know, I, I know we're going to be distracted. If something else is a priority for us, we're going to be distracted. And, and what I've learned is that drifting doesn't occur all of a sudden. It, it takes some time, you know. If, if we hit the highway, we're headed to, let's say we're headed to Oklahoma. And you make one wrong turn and you just keep going, you're not getting to Oklahoma. You're gonna be someplace else. So it, it doesn't take a whole lot of drift, but that can get us off track. Okay. Another example, Luke 18, nine through 14. He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves and were confident that they were righteous, posing outwardly as upright and in right standing with God. Isn't it interesting how this is phrased? As believers, we are to have a confidence in our salvation, but not a confidence in ourselves. Our confidence is in Christ. A huge part of our relationship with Christ deals with humility and recognizing our own sin being really not only willing but eager to confess our sins to the Lord and to each other. You know, I, I always have to do the, well, I don't always do the Eloise story, but I've, I haven't said it in a while, have I? No. <laughs> Was that a year or two ago? That's right, because um, Ronan. Yeah. Um, for those of you, how many people know the Ronan story with Eloise and I? Okay. Okay, let me tell the story again. Um, Eloise was expecting her grandson, Ronan Uriah. And yeah, of course, um, he was already born, right? Okay. So of course, like, hey, do you have pictures? So she, oh, boy, do I have pictures. Of course, as, as a grandmother, her first grandchild, of course. I got stuck on the name. I didn't say that to her. But in my head, I'm saying, who in the world would name their child Ronan? So she's telling me the story. Again, I, I didn't say anything to her about it. I'm like, oh, man, it's cool. It's your grandson. When I got home, it was probably later that evening, 
It was like, bing, you disrespected her. You didn't, you didn't rejoice with her for her first grandchild. Okay, and here comes the battle. Well, she didn't know it. I don't have to say anything to her. <laughs> she, did, she didn't know that. You disrespected her. You need to apologize to her. I don't need to apologize to her. She's fine. She'll be fine. She's happy with her grandpa. You need to apologize to her. Okay. Right here. It was, you know, when you greet each other, I walked over here. I said, Eloise, I am sorry. She's like, really? But for what? Eloise, I disrespected you and your grandson. I did not. I did not rejoice with you in that moment. And I believe Eloise said to me, Willie, I know you, so it's no big deal. I felt better because really, I, I, did, not, I did not rejoice with her in that moment. The point of that story is when we offend a brother or sister, we need to go to that brother or sister and apologize, whether they know it or not. I felt so much better when I said that, when I, and Eloise and I are still friends. So my relationship, I mean, we just saw it here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. Now, I don't have children, so obviously I don't have grandchildren because I don't have children. I do, I do have a niece have a couple nephews. In fact, my, my other niece is getting married in April. I'm excited about that. Um, the niece that was raised in my home, she adopted a baby. So that was pretty, so I'm kind of a, sort of a grandparent, sort of, kind of. But that's exciting to me. If I, if someone had done to me what I did to Eloise, and I knew about it, I wouldn't be too excited about that. Like, eh, that was insensitive. So that's why I believe I was challenged to, to apologize to Eloise. Okay, back to Luke, Luke 18. He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were caught trusted in themselves and were confident that they were righteous, posing outwardly as upright and in right standing with God. That, that can be a tricky thing. And I think what happens is when I compare myself to other people, especially those, and, and let's go back to the Ephesian church. Again, I, I don't know this because it's not stated in scripture, but perhaps some of those members were comparing themselves to people in the community and saying, those folks are sinners. They're bad. 
And again, that, that can become a slippery slope where I'm comparing myself to them and saying I'm better than them, losing my focus on Christ. And this is what happened here. Luke 18. Two men went up, went up into the temple enclosure to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood ostentatiously and began praying to himself in a self-righteous way, saying, God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of men, swindlers, unjust, dishonest, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. Is fasting a good thing? Yes. I pay tithes of all that I get. Is paying tithes a good thing? Okay. Uh, but the tax collector standing at a distance would not even raise his eyes toward heaven, but was striking his chest in humility and repentance, saying, God, be merciful and gracious to me, the especially wicked sinner that I am. I tell you, this man went to his home justified, forgiven of the guilt of sin and placed in right standing with God rather than the other man. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself, forsaking self-righteous pride, will be exalted. This theme is pretty important to the Lord of really comparing ourselves to his righteous standard. Yes, we, we address um, those who are not living lives that honor him. We address them in love and truth. But again, that, that fine line of saying, I am good, I am righteous, and then looking at others with contempt. Um, perhaps that could be what happened in the Ephesian church. Let's go to Psalm 119. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will steadfastly observe it to the end. Give me understanding, a teachable heart, and the ability to learn. That's important. Um, do I have a teachable heart? Am I open? You know, because most of us, I would say all of us, we don't like to be wrong, right? We don't like to be wrong. And if we're caught in something wrong, it, let me let me go. Um, let me do the marriage thing. Um, and you husbands and wives know what I'm about to say. When one of you catches the other one wrong, that's kind of a bad feeling, right? Because usually the wife is always right, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but being able to admit, hey, you know what? No, I was wrong. I'm sorry. 
not only I was wrong, but no, you were right. You were right. Um, I'm having flashbacks on conversations that I had years ago. And um, so a teachable heart and the ability to learn that I may keep your law and observe it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. I know, I, I've said this before, but many times when I'm reading, reading God's word, and it's often a passage that I've read for years, and perhaps depending on a situation that I've experienced or I may currently be going through that, and I read it, and it jumps off the page to me. Either something of conviction, or it could be a word of comfort or just a reminder. Probably a big one for me these days is trusting God resting in him, being patient, um, realizing that God is sovereign, God is faithful, God is loving, he's kind, he delights in us, because we, we can forget that when things are going on, when things are going crazy, and and we know that we know that it's through, it's through those trials that God is shaping us and molding us. Um, let me tell a quick Pastor Randy story. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Jeanette's memorial, and and he is, um, you know, working through that. But there was a, a portion of the message that was played, um, Jeanette's, where she talked about family members of hers that did not know the Lord. You guys remember that? That portion? God has used that to touch the hearts of their grandchildren. And now they're open to the gospel. Because all of us remember Many times, Jeanette and Pastor Randy talking about their grandkids, their oldest grandkids, where God has used that pain to touch their hearts. Only God can do that. Um, and those are the things that I have to keep in mind, and, and I know you guys too, where when we experience things that that are not comfortable, that are painful. Um, you have to remember that God is in control. He wants us to acknowledge him. Here's something else I'm learning. In every situation, to stop and, and say, okay, God, you, you have a plan here. Not the most comfortable situation that I'm going through right now, but God, you have a plan. You're, you're doing something here. You're, 
You're molding me. You're, you're challenging me to trust you, to rest in you, to keep you as my first love, to not allow the distractions of life, you know, to, to throw me off course. Okay, verse 34, give me understanding, a teachable heart, and the ability to learn that I may keep your law and observe it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain and envy. Turn my eyes away from vanity, all those worldly, meaningless things that distract. Let your priorities be mine. Let me stop there for a second. And I just want all of us to think. I don't want anyone to say anything, but I want everyone to think about the worldly, meaningless things in, in all of our lives individually that can distract us from the Lord being our first love. I'll give you 30 seconds to do that. Go. Look at that, right on target, my phone beeped. I mean, my watch beeped. Eight seconds left. So, again, turn my eyes away from vanity, all those worldly, meaningless things that distract. Let your priorities be mine and restore me with renewed energy in your ways. Establish your word and confirm your promise to your servant as that which produces awe-inspired reverence for you. That's something else I'm, I'm being reminded of as I read through, particularly the Psalms. We are reminded to express awe-inspired reverence for God, awe-inspired reverence and obedience. I've read that in a number of Psalms, awe-inspired reverence and obedience. Awe-inspired reverence and obedience. If God's word is established in my heart, if I am turning my eyes away from those meaningless things that distract, then the Lord will continue to be the first priority in my life. And um, one of the things from my mar marriage counseling that I remember is that um, we were told your relationship never stays the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. It's, it's never static. And, and I believe that's the case in our relationship with the Lord as well where we're growing closer to him or we're moving away from him. 
with the Ephesian church. He's either, either has first place or something else has come in and supplanted him as the highest priority in our lives. And so obviously that creates, that necessitates, you know, a constant evaluation in our own lives. Okay, what, what is most important in my life? Or more importantly, who is most important in my life? Um, and again, it, there can be things here in church that can supplant the Lord as our first love. Um, and they're not bad things, but they don't deserve first place. And that's, that's a challenge for all of us, uh, just to do that assessment. So, dear Father, Father, we acknowledge our need for you. Lord, we want to keep you as our first love. Lord, we know that you love us. Thank you for these reminders in scripture that you want us to love you as, as you have expressed your love for us. Lord, help us see those, those areas, those distractions that can slowly take our eyes off of you. Like Mary and Martha, Lord, we, we can be consumed with, with worry, anxiety, and not, uh, not spend that time with you and, and not cast our cares on you. Uh, Lord, we again, we thank you, Lord, we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen.